The Minnesota Vikings have brought joy and misery to the Vikings fans for many years. At the Skull Purple Podcast, we just want to see the Vikings party with the Lombardi. Join us for analysis, interviews, laughs, and much more. It's the podcast by Vikings fans, for Vikings fans. The Skull Purple Podcast starts now. Here's your host, Carson Schubert. Welcome in to the Skull Purple Podcast. We are ready to preview uh, the one and four bowl, I guess. Uh, the Vikings and the Bears with uh, Bears Talk Underground. Uh, really appreciate Larry joining the show, a friend of the show. Uh, Larry, good to have you with us. And uh, unfortunately for both of us, our teams are not uh, faring so well this season, but we might have a little bit of a different outlook on uh, the teams going forward. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the team um, in Chicago. But uh, how are you doing, first of all? How are things going? Uh, not too bad. You know, I'm uh, getting the days to go by one at a time or so it would seem. And, uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't uh, wasn't enjoying the season so much in September. But uh, things have kind of turned around here in October, first with our offense finally showing up in the the Denver game and then actually winning a game, snapping a 14-game regular season losing streak to the Commanders last Thursday that yeah. I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, or at least in know, the fashion that it came. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone saw us beating the Commanders because I don't think anyone thought we could do offensively yeah. what we did against the Broncos. I didn't, you know, people, yeah. and I didn't either. I thought that their defensive line would beat us up the same as they did last year. And uh, that was, they were not a factor for the most part uh, in the ball game. So, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with how the offensive line performed against a much better defensive line. And we put 40 up this time, which was more than the, than the commanders could manage to score uh, on Thursday night. So. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I thought it was a big time performance for the uh, the Bears. I I, uh, I I didn't think there was a huge chance for the Bears to win, but I I thought it was going to be closer than people thought, just because we don't really know what the Commanders are at this point. Like they've won some games, but they've also lost some games. So it's like, eh, where, where, where are they at? But, uh, the bears just came in, they had a chip on their shoulder in the game and they, uh, came in and tore them apart. 40 point game, 40, uh, yeah. 40 points and impressive performance from Justin Fields for most of the game as well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, let's not forget DJ Moore, jo Jordan, yeah. or Justin Fields threw for 282, 230 of it went to one guy. Uh, in DJ Moore, 280 or 230 on eight catches and two, uh, three touchdowns, excuse me, uh, including the one that, that put the game away for good. So, uh, yeah, DJ Moore was in full beast mode uh, against the uh, commanders. And uh, I was like, I was on um, a commander's uh, friend podcast last week, and we were going back and forth a little bit online. And um, like we on that opening drive, we went right down the field and scored with. DJ Moore accounting for almost all of it. And uh, I was like, you know, I was like, I, after last year where the bears led the league in opening drive scores and we still went three and 14, I was like, excuse me if I don't get excited about a scoring on the first drive. So I'm going to have to see us do it a few more times to get excited about where the offense is. And Oh, by the way, 
you guys might want to cover DJ Moore. So, yeah, but eight catches on 10 targets for 230 yards and three touchdowns is not covering DJ Moore. So that didn't work <laughs> out for them. Yeah, my uh, cousin wasn't too happy when he had to play him uh, in fantasy. Uh, he was mm. uh, not too happy about that, but uh, such it is. So it goes. Yeah. But um, no, I'm just curious on your thoughts uh, before we dig more into um, some of the other things I have in store for us in this preview. What are your thoughts on the overall start to the season for the Bears uh, what were your thoughts going into the season? What were your kind of expectations and how have they aligned or not aligned so far this year? Well, what we expected to see from the offense is what we've seen the last two weeks. Not not in the terms of the amount of points that we've scored, but for the efficiency to go up, for Justin Fields to be able to spread the ball around, to to use DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, you know, Roshan Johnson, Khalil Herbert coming out of the backfield, that kind of thing. And um, those first, you know, three weeks against Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and especially against Kansas City, those guys were a distant memory. We didn't hear from them uh, at all. DJ Moore had two catches for 25 yards in the first game uh, against Green Bay, and they were back-to-back catches in the first quarter. We never heard from DJ Moore for the rest of the game. And, you know, we saw a lot of DJ Moore in the opening drive against Tampa Bay and then very little uh, for the rest of the game. He caught a touchdown pass at the end of the game when we were already down 41-3 to uh, against the Chiefs, but that was DJ Moore being, quote-unquote, used in the offense in the first three games uh, of the season. And then you come out last uh, two weeks ago against the, the Broncos, and then what we saw from DJ Moore in the, in the Commanders game is like, yeah, this is the guy that we gave up the number one overall pick for. You know, for what he's been doing and how he's contributing and you know, every time he touched the ball, he made Washington look bad, just bad. You know, I mean, he absolutely abused Emmanuel Forbes, their top draft pick uh, this year. They had to bench him, uh, you know, just so yeah. DJ Moore as bad the next time he touched the ball. So, I mean, it was that's more along the lines from the offensive line, from the running game is what we were hoping to see, expecting to see going into it. And we didn't see it. Uh, you know, even inklings of it until the Denver game. And then we saw it really show up on Thursday against the uh, commanders. So, but like the overall feeling that week one loss to green Bay was just a gut punch because of all of the, uh, the hope, the expectation, the hype and, uh, and everything, not just from bear fans, but there were people also outside talking heads and what have you that were expecting things from the bears that just did not show up uh, in that first week. We got ran off the field by our arch rival, you know, and Jordan Love's first, you know, I know it's like his second or third start or whatever it was, but the first game of the actual Jordan Love era, he comes out there. He's got all the time in the world to throw. He throws three touchdown passes. Aaron Jones is running like a madman on us. So just like, okay, so we're just doing 2022 all over again. Okay. I guess that's <laughs> what's, what's happening. And then the same thing with Tampa. It looked even worse against uh, Kansas City. It's just like, man. Well, you know, going into the game against the Commanders, we had number one and number two overall in the draft for 2024. So it's like, this is what we're going to be looking forward to again this year. Yeah, yeah. And now, uh, now a little glimmer of hope after, like you said, the last two games, even though you didn't beat Denver, uh, you came close. Uh, you scored a lot of points in that game. And then uh, you just hand one to the Commanders, uh, making them look uh, not 
like a very good team in that game. So, um, yeah. So I think the bears are trending in the right direction. It seems. And, you know, depending on who you talk to from a Vikings perspective, you could say the Vikings are trending in the right direction. If they just would stop turning the ball over and they would just, uh, decide to convert some red zone opportunities into touchdowns instead of just field goals or instead of turning the ball over. <laughs> um, so it depends on your thoughts. I'm kind of of the mindset that the team is on a downward trend at the moment, but there are some Viking fans who think, you know, there's still a lot left for this team uh, in the 2023 season. I'm not convinced of that yet. Um, they haven't convinced me that they can stop turning the ball over yet through five weeks. So, um, and I think this is not going to be an easy test uh, against the Bears who uh, just, like we said, a lot of confidence, I'm sure, after that win against the Commanders. Plus, they get that little uh, mini bye week after the Thursday night game. So uh, it's not it's not looking great. And then, of course, Dick Butkus, who died, um, they're going to be fired up, I'm sure, on Sunday to try and win for him at home, their first home game since yeah. he died. So um, this, there's going to be a ceremony, I think, and stuff. So uh, it's it's very... Very, it makes me very nervous uh, with the Vikings going into Soldier Field. Always does when it's Soldier Field because the Vikings historically have struggled there. But yeah. I think uh, with some of the outlying factors, and then also the big elephant not in the room, Justin Jefferson, uh, out for the next four games at least, that's got to make you feel a lot better about your chances against the Vikings going into this game. Um, but, uh, before we get into the game as a whole, um, just curious, and I know you kind of hit on this a little bit, but your, your thoughts on the progression of Justin Fields through, uh, the first five weeks. Well, the reason that we were so excited about the season going into it is that we saw what we saw from Fields using his legs, being a dynamic player, being the athlete that he was in the running game. And the question has always been, about the passing game, but go back and watch the first two seasons and you would see on the times that he had time to throw the ball, one of two things was happening. Either he wasn't reading the field properly or there was literally nobody open. And um, we were excited about this year because we had an offensive line that would, or that we thought would be more consistent in giving him that time to be able to see the field, to see things open up. Tevin Jenkins goes down in camp. Nate Davis, who we signed in free agency as our guard, uh, has been in and out of camp due to like family issues. Like his mom fell ill and, you know, had to be there for her in case she passed. She finally did, um, you know, so he's finally passed that uh, now so he can focus on football again and play instead of being torn between the two worlds. And uh, and I can't imagine what that would must have been like for him. But um. You know, we we had this rookie tackle in in, in Darnell Wright. Uh, Cody Whitehair hurts his hand at the begin at the end of uh, training camp. He was supposed to be the center. So, but you know, the good the silver lining there was oh, we just shift him over to guard to play in Tevin Jenkins' spot. Lucas Patrick, who can you know was our swing interior guy, he can play the center spots, and then we're, you know we're good to go. Then Braxton Jones, who was a solid rookie. Last year, all of a sudden, can't stop holding people. He's jumping offside or, you know, uh, jumping um, false starts. That's what I'm looking for uh, and everything. And it's just, and then he gets hurt. So he goes down. 
And now we've got to have Larry Borum out there, who is our swing tackle and uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it's like it, it just wasn't really there for the offensive line to be what we were hoping it would be to give Justin Fields the time to find DJ Moore and and all that kind of stuff. Because I felt all along that his progress was stunted as a passer by the O-line that was in front of him. And I think I was proven right because the first time that we saw the offensive line perform well was against Denver. Then they did it again on Thursday against the commanders against a much better defensive line, at least in my uh, opinion, four first round picks uh, and, and whatnot. And we saw him throw for 335 against the Broncos and 282 uh, against uh, Washington and be efficient doing it at the same time. He hasn't needed his legs in these last two games because He's had the time to read the field, find the guys open, and also the fact that we have better receivers that are getting open has been uh, really helpful uh, as well. So it's always been about what was around Justin, and I think it's finally being proven true by watching the talent level goes up and everything. things are starting to get easier for him. It's finally starting to click together now that everyone's been playing together for a little while uh, now. So, you know, I, like you said, we're, we're trending in the right direction, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I'm curious, before I ask the next question, I was going to uh, Rashawn Johnson, your uh, your rookie running back. Uh, obviously, I think Khalil Herbert is going to be out, Is it sound like, for a couple of games? Um, uh, yeah, a few games, but I guess not long enough for, him to put, for them to put him on uh, IR. Okay. So he's just going to be gobbling up a roster spot for the next couple weeks while, uh, while we go. We, we signed sure. Darrington Evans, uh, who was on the team last year. Uh, to kind of fill in the the hole because now it's the um, Deontay Foreman show uh, at running back until Roshan can come back off of uh, concussion protocol. Oh, that's right. He's still dealing with an injury too. Okay. Yeah, he got his bell rung um, on Thursday pretty good. So he's questionable for um, for the Vikings game as well. So yeah, so the the maybe the only real position of worry is on offense for you guys, I should say, is uh, at the running back position. But uh, it didn't seem like it really hurt you guys too much uh, on Thursday night. Um, I guess I don't remember what, what when did Herbert go out of the game or not. But it was in the it was in the second half at one point. Okay. Um, but he had made his point by then. He had 10 carries for 76 yards uh, on Thursday. So he was he and he was gouging him pretty good there. Uh, in the second half, and uh, he suffered the injury actually trying to catch a poorly thrown ball from uh, Justin. He was trying to like kind of stop and come back for the ball, and he kind of collapsed on top of his own leg and uh, sprained the uh, sprained the ankle. He got taped up. He looked like a mummy there on the right leg trying to come back <laughs> in, and they pitching the ball. He's running the right, and as soon as he planted to step, he went down like a like a folding chair, man. He went right down. Is like, oh, well, he's done. He's done. He's yep. not coming back in. God bless him for trying, because we he, Roshan was already out. Uh, Deontay Foreman was a healthy scratch, so we had nobody else but our starting fullback, Kari Blasingame, who carried the ball at the end of the game. Because we're trying to to run the game, run the ball to close the uh, close the game out, but we couldn't do it because we didn't have a healthy running back on the roster uh, at the yeah. moment. So God bless him for trying, but. Um, it wasn't to be, and he'll probably be out for, I think, two to three weeks uh, with that high ankle sprain. Yeah. 
And it doesn't look like, um, I guess, in the five carries, I mean, he's only had five carries, but Deontay Foreman, uh, five carries, 16 yards in that commander's game. But um, that defensive line, I'm sure, was pretty pretty decent uh, at stopping him uh, for the commanders in that game. And the Vikings, I mean, outside of Daniil Hunter and assuming that Marcus Davenport plays, outside of those two guys, a lot of the rest of the Vikings' interior defensive line and defensive linemen in general, it's not great. Um, so it's a lesser challenge for the bears in regard to that, uh, when they go against the Vikings. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, one last thing I want to talk about before, uh, your thoughts on your head coach, uh, Matt Eberflus so far, uh, throughout, uh, the first five games this year and all of last year. Well, you know, last year he was the captain of a of a sinking ship. We all knew that we were, even though we weren't trying to actively tank, we we knew that that uh, you know those losing ten games in a row. But you had some level of optimism that if with the with the full straight of, slate of draft picks we have, with the most salary cap space in the league, that we would definitely be able to improve the roster, and that that would mean a better a better team and a better record because um, look at the way that we played and we gave everybody hell, you know, with this inferior roster that everybody knew was bad, but we played the Eagles and it wasn't until like the last eight minutes of the game that the Eagles took charge and, and won the game kind of thing. The, either the week before or the week after with the Bills, same thing. We gave them hell all day long till about middle middle to late third quarter they come back and you know and put us away that's how it was with everybody it's like we we know we're playing against the better team but we went out there and fought them tooth and nail until the very end and uh you know you figure that if if you if you are better then you should play better and and get better results and early on that wasn't happening yeah excuse me and um but the thought on Eberflus was that he, you know this is a huge problem and that the the failings of the Bears, especially in those first three games, had to be coaching because how, how do you improve the roster at every level? You got better, you know, not like, you know, we didn't blow anybody out of the water. We didn't sign an elite pass rusher or anything like that. But we were better everywhere. Defensive line, linebackers, secondary, offensive line. We improved the running back room. We got DJ Moore and the wide receivers, you know, and all that kind of stuff. How do you improve the roster that much? And you play as bad, if not worse, for the first three games of the season and then have that huge collapse. It's got to be coaching. Nothing else makes sense. How do you get better talent-wise and play worse? It doesn't make sense. That comes down yeah. to uh, to coaching. And if we had lost on, on Thursday, I think there's a very real possibility that you and I are right now talking about, you know, our secondary coach, John Hoke, or our special teams quarter, Richard Hightower, as our interim head coach, as we try to figure out uh, you know, we're 0-5 and, and where we go from here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been interesting to watch. I, I'm still not sold completely on Eberflus, and I, I think you're kind of in that same boat too, but um, it's early, right? I mean, you can't totally be sold if you're a Vikings fan on Kevin O'Connell yet either. I mean, uh, 1-4 start this year, even though they went 13-4 and four a year ago. I mean, there's still been a lot of shortcomings 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see the development of these two coaches uh, throughout the next uh, year or two and how that impacts things. But uh, moving on to the actual game itself here, the Vikings go into Soldier Field on Sunday favored by two and a half at the moment we're recording this on Tuesday night. So we'll see how much closer that gets um, or what it what the line does by the time the game starts on Sunday. But um, it sounds, too, also uh, like that you guys might be getting some of your key players back, like an Eddie Jackson and potentially uh, your uh, big-time corner, Jalen Johnson. Uh, both of those guys have a chance to play this Sunday, correct? And our uh, nickel corner, Kyler Gordon. Yeah, who right. Was our, who was our second round pick? He broke his hand week one against the uh, Packers. So um, his IR, he's been designated for return from injured reserve. So he's back in practice. And I think they have until what, like Friday or Saturday to determine if he's actually going to be uh, put on the 53 man roster um, to play uh, on Sunday. Eddie Jackson left the Tampa Bay game with a foot injury. So he's been out the last couple weeks. Uh, as well, and Jalen Johnson, I, f I think it was a hamstring or something or whatever. I was ready to fire the entire training staff a couple weeks ago. Everybody <laughs> left the game with a hamstring injury a couple weeks. Like, you getting these guys to stretch or what? What is the deal, man? Everybody's going yeah. down with soft tissue injuries. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. So you got to get right. these guys ready. Get them limbered up or something. Yeah. Well, and... Funny enough, or not funny enough, if you're a Vikings fan, the uh, Justin Jefferson hamstring uh, injury. But th that doesn't seem like it's been a huge theme for the Vikings so far uh, under Kevin O'Connell with, with those soft tissue injuries, which is a good sign. But unfortunately for Jefferson, he's out for the next four weeks. But uh, So yeah, that kind of gives me a little bit of a cause for pause as well, though, seeing that you guys are getting some of those guys back. Um, and, you know, us being down one of our skill position players, the best receiver in the NFL, I firmly believe. Um, so I uh, I think that really leaves me leaves me wondering what is going to happen on Sunday. Um, I think uh, Jordan Addison will probably step up, the rookie wide receiver. The Vikings drafted in the first round from USC. But at the same time, is that going to be enough combined even with TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, um, are those guys going to all be able to step up? How does the Vikings running game do uh, against the Bears? I think that could determine a lot about this game. If the Vikings are able to run the ball successfully, then that could be a long day for the Bears. But who knows? Who knows? That's, that's why they play the games. But I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on the Vikings overall so far this season and uh, going into this game, what scares you the most and where are some areas the bears can take advantage well you know we we're still not that great uh on defense um we did very well against the run last week but at the same time the commanders didn't try to run the ball i believe they said like eight minutes to go in the second quarter and literally for the rest of the game they never ran the ball again sam howell threw the ball over wow. 50 times he got 388 yards but for all it did uh, for the commanders uh, on Thursday because they just completely abandoned the run, taking the ball out of the hands of, you know, probably the second best player they have on offense besides Terry McLaren. And, um, you know, they just completely threw the ball out of his 
hands. And it's not like Robinson was running poorly when the when they were running uh, in the first half. So, you know, I think that if, like you said, if if we can come down and, uh, you know, really show up against the run, I mean, it's not the 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 you know the sunniest prospect to put the ball into Kirk Cousins' hands and have him throw the ball around to to Addison and Hawkinson and and uh, Osborne and. Uh, and everything, it, it, you know, I will be able to sleep a little bit better on Saturday, knowing that Justin Jefferson uh, won't be there. But you know, those other guys can still also uh, be a problem uh, for us as well, because you know we've had. If if we can get to Kirk Cousins, then I then I like the the chances of being able to play better against the pass, because the things that killed us, especially in those first three weeks, we made Baker Mayfield look like the second coming of Brett Favre. Uh, in week two because we just couldn't get to the guy he's running around in the pocket he, you know doing one of the like an underhand shovel pass for a first down at one point in this like is it 1997 again what the hell's happening here with you know with this uh and everything you know pat mahomes finally you know looked crappy in the first two weeks against the jaguars and the lions all of a sudden he's slinging it all over the field like the mvp of old uh against us week three and we you know we couldn't get close to that guy if we if we tried but it's like against the uh, Broncos, we were able to get to Wilson or to pressure him a bit. And then we sacked Howell five times and we actually should have had him seven, but we let him score him out of two sacks uh, on Thursday uh, night. So it was like and, and we saw that, uh, you know, the passing game was largely ineffective, even though they almost got 400 yards on us. So it's be our ability to defend the run and then how well uh, we do and actually rushing. Uh, the passer because Kirk Cousins is a pretty calm character as far as you know he's not going to be that quarterback that freaks out just to get rid of the ball but everybody's going to struggle when they're constantly under pressure it's like the Bears know Bear fans know that better than almost anybody watching Justin Fields get his brains beat in for two and a half seasons uh, up to this point and uh, you know what it's looked like the last couple of weeks when he's had time to sit back and throw the ball well, and I think the key thing on Kirk Cousins pressuring him, it's not always going to be effective if you're pressuring him and you're getting close to him, but he's still able to cleanly throw the ball. Yeah. Um, which I think that was part of the reason he was so successful against the Blitz against Kansas City. Uh, that was one of the graphics they brought up during the game. Like, oh, Kirk is doing really well against the Blitz in terms of eight of 11 at the time. I think it was for, it wasn't for very many yards, but at least completing passes. But the thing that I think that always is tough for cousins is when he is thrown off his spot. Mm. Uh, when he, where he's trying to throw the ball from, if you, if you make him move or you, you make him, um, just uncomfortable to throw the ball from where, wherever it may be. Uh, that seems like that's a problem for him. Uh, so I think also, you know, if you're able to rattle him and I think as, as we know, the Vikings are good at turning the ball over so far this season. If you're able to cause a strip sack or two in the game I, with a quarter cornerback blitz or a, a linebacker blitz, whatever, uh, we've seen the Vikings struggle with that, uh, at times this season. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if the bears can get home. However, the Vikings offensive line. Uh, for the most part, has been pretty good this season. There's still a little bit of a weakness, I'd say, in the interior, but for the most part, it's been pretty solid. Um, every now and then, you know, there's going to be sacks. There's going to be things that happen, but um, 
most generally, uh, definitely better than Washington. Uh, <laughs> not that that's saying much, but um, so I guess that's that's what I would say uh, about the Vikings in terms of their in terms of Cousins and the offensive line. Um, but uh, the Vikings usually do a pretty good job of giving Cousins some sort of an outlet, whether it's a running back or a uh, receiver running a short route or something uh, to get uh, the ball out of his hands. But uh, yeah, so I guess that's that's kind of all I've got. I don't know if you have any questions for me or if you want to talk about anything else in regards to this game. Well, um, you think, just yeah. have to, when it's, um, the thing that I always talk about on, on my show uh, when it comes to these Bears-Vikings games is how, especially in Soldier Field, because you haven't had too many weird games in Minnesota, but in Soldier Field, the weirdest things always go down between the Bears yep. and the uh, Vikings. You have the the famous Devin Aroma should do game in 2009 where he caught like nine passes, oh. 169 yards, a walk-off in overtime, and then you basically never heard from him ever again. You know, he bounced nope. around. He even played for you guys for a year or two, I think, but I you think literally so, never yeah. heard from him again. Um, you know, Adrian <laughs> Peterson comes in against the best defense in the NFL his rookie year, runs for 230 and three touchdowns. Uh, against us uh and Paul Edinger hit like a 56 yarder I think it was like that. yeah 2008 yeah 2008 the quarterback matchup was Kyle Orton versus Gus Farratt and somehow <laughs> that game somehow that game was like 49 to 42 or something it was like you never you never think you're going to get 90 points out of Kyle Orton and Gus Farratt but it happened that day <laughs> you know it did I mean it's like the weirdest things always always happen in in bears vikings games especially in uh in soldier field so you just don't know yeah. what the weird thing is going to be i hear that it's supposed to rain on sunday so oh, maybe boy. that could end up being a factor uh it could be one of those weather games uh or something like that and, and we all know how great the soldier T soldier field turf uh can be thank you very much city of chicago and you know <laughs> that may end up being a factor in that uh Oh, you know, KJ Osborne was wide open, but when he stopped to catch the ball, he just slid right past where it was going to go. Wide open, Eddie Jackson takes it back for whatever, yeah, yeah. or vice versa, you know? So, yeah. who knows? Like the monsoon from San Francisco, when you guys played San Francisco a year ago, that was that was a crazy game. Yeah. And, you know, I I uh, when you say the weather could not be favorable in terms of rain or whatever, boy, that... Uh, doesn't uh, give me much of an assurance as a team that's already struggling to take care of the ball when it's indoors. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've watched the the Vikings uh, a few times uh, this year and, you know, you guys are one and four, but you at least should be three and two. I think, yeah. you know, especially that, that, that chargers game Brandon oh. Staley damn near handed you the game. I was at that game. Man. Oh, oh, were you? Yeah, and the, the tip drill brutal. interception, that tip drill oh. interception at the end of the game is like, oh man, that hurts bad. It's like that one, that one had 20, to sting. Yeah, the twenty seconds, twenty twenty five seconds that cousins oh, yeah. let go off the clock. Oh yeah, that was great. Not, <laughs> yeah, just so, yeah. But Anyways. yeah, I mean, it's the your your you know perfect record in one score games last year. I don't think anybody thought the, that it would be the other extreme. Though, like I is like obviously, you know, the odds on you going eleven and zero in one score games this year wasn't great, but 
Have you won a one-score game yet? Was the win over Carolina a one-score game? That was, was 21 it? to 13. That was right. the score in that game. Yep. So, but it's like, so are, is it one in four? Have they all been one-score games? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, there you go. Yep. 11 and four, and in the first five games, it's all one-score game, but you're one in four uh, this time. It's like, I, don't, I didn't think that I, it would go from one extreme uh, well, to the other. Well, technically... Technically, if you want to, if you want to go back all the way to the 2021 season, the Vikings were six and eight, or maybe it was even worse than that. I think it might have been five and eight in one score games the final year of Mike Zimmer. And right. so the Vikings, technically, they they got even by going 0 three to start the season and going 11 and 0 last year. I think I think that was yeah. even or something close to that. And then uh, now they're one and one in one score games, I guess. There you so go. It's a reset. It's a reset, We're I guess. Resetting. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at least, I mean, at, at the very least, because the thing that's also been the toughest about the way this year has started is that, you know, just feeling like you don't have a chance. Yeah. And for, for especially in that Green Bay game, it was 10 to six at halftime. You know, we were winning 10 to six at halftime. But here yeah. comes, here comes um, Aaron Jones. And, you know, 104 yards and two touchdowns later and we're down 20 to 10 or, or you, know, you know, it was like 20, yeah, 20 to 10, or no, 24 to 10, uh, you know, or something crazy like that. Yeah. It's like, well, this is over because with yeah. the way our offense is playing that, uh, you know, that 10 line, that 10 point lead might as well be 100 points with the mm -hmm. way our offense is struggling right now. And then, you know, don't even get me started on Kansas City. It was 34 to nothing at halftime. It was just like, OK. I don't know if, if I didn't do a podcast, I wouldn't bother watching the second half. What would be the point? Right. So. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it's been interesting. Uh, it's, it's been an interesting season for both of these teams. I'd say, um, based on what we've seen from green Bay, they are kind of, uh, falling off after I'd say it was a, an okay couple of weeks to start the season, even though they lost to Atlanta, it was a close loss. Um, but then, you know, the last few weeks, it's been like, oh, boy. And then three interceptions yeah. for Jordan Love against the Raiders. So kind of seems like the Bears are turning a corner in the good way and the Packers are turning a corner in the bad way. And then the Vikings are kind of in that. Eh, what are they, yeah. they going to do? What are they? Which you is know. which is why the I'm Lions upset. Are good. Yeah, which is why I'm upset. We don't see him again until week 18. Yeah, it, right. When it's very possible that game won't matter to either of us, mm -hmm. you know? So we're just going to throw whoever's still healthy out there. Yeah, you go ahead and play. And anyone who's even slightly banged up isn't playing in this one. And, you know, we're playing this one because we're legally obligated to, as opposed to playing a game that means something, say like week 10 or week 11 or something. Uh, I would really love to get the Packers again in about three or four weeks. But instead, we got to wait till the end of the season to see him again when, you know, Neither team looks like the one that there was on in week one and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's been quite a roller coaster for the Bears. The Allen Williams thing, the losing streak, yeah, Chase Claypool in his mouth, and uh, and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it's like we've we finally just exercised it all. We got a win. We got rid of Claypool. Allen Williams is a memory at this point. You know, we're talking about bringing in a senior defensive analyst to help play the uh, to help with the uh, the game planning or the play calling one of the two so you know this this was our reset i guess you know like you're one and one in one score games well 
we're uh we're one and one since the the reset of uh you know all that nonsense so because we have we we chase claypool was a healthy scratch against denver and washington we're one and one in those games and we should have won them both so i don't know yeah maybe it was addition by subtraction getting rid of him yeah who knows what he was doing to the locker room in terms of the mood and all that stuff so um, well, let's go ahead and get into the predictions for the game. So just for fun, the series history between the Vikings and the Bears. Heavily the Vikings, favor, right? The Vikings lead the all-time series 65-57-2. and two. Okay. So by eight games, the Vikings lead the series, and the Vikings have won four in a row, dating back to the 2021 season. So, um, I'll go ahead and let you give your thoughts here first, Larry. What, uh, what do you think this game is going to end up, uh, going? Where do you think it's going to end up going? Uh, you know, I, the thing about it is I just don't, I don't think a lot of bear fans really trust the bears at this point. Cause just, it was, it's kind of like the, that, that quote in Godfather three, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. It was like yeah. just when we started giving up on the Bears and looking forward to 2024, we have 335 and four touchdowns against the Broncos, and then you back it up with 282 and four touchdowns against the Commanders, and then you win the damn game. It's like, oh, come on, man. Really? It's like, are we actually going to be good now? Now that I'm already, you know, checking out on Blackhawk tickets and whatnot and everything, I'm already doing mock drafts for 2024. You're going to suck me back in uh, to this thing? So it's like we're all kind of like, cautiously optimistic about this weekend especially with the way you guys have been struggling and losing Justin Jefferson we know he's not going to be there to to murder us like he has in the first four games uh that we've played uh against him he's always had something to say in every single one of them even though he's he's oddly he's only got like two touchdowns against the Bears but I think he's only he's not far from like a thousand yards against us already I mean he's he's hurt us deeply in every game he's played uh against us uh, so far so and then the whole soldier field history thing i'm and and just the history of the of the the, the rivalry generally chicago wins in chicago minnesota wins in minnesota all things being equal to one in four teams i'll go with history and say chicago wins a close one on sunday say 24 to 20 or something like that well yeah and it's it's funny. I said the four last games were won by the Vikings in the series. Um, but previous to that, the Bears won five out of the six. So um, oh, wow. it's it's probably time for the Vikings winning streak against the Bears to come to a halt. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say the Bears win. And honestly, I actually, you know, this is going to sound, oh, you're a terrible fan. Like, you shouldn't cheer for the Vikings to lose. But I kind of want them to lose. I mm-hmm. want them to trade these uh, players that are here for like a year, one-year contract left on their deal, you know, like trade some of those guys away and build for the future. Even if this team turns it around, I am not convinced they're going to do anything in the postseason. So um, I think the Vikings need to just embrace that and tank obviously players don't tank coaches usually don't tank but Mm -hmm. as a gm you have the ability as we saw with uh, ryan pace last year to change the roster or ryan poles yeah ryan i always get him 
I mix um, them up too. Don't feel bad. Um, as Ryan Poles did last year, kind of emptied the cabinet or what do you want to say, or the even the previous uh, GM for the Bears, kind of emptying the cabinet and setting up for an offseason where they were able to bring in some high-quality uh, players. So um, that's what I want the Vikings to kind of do that same type of thing. Uh, maybe not to the extent of what the Bears were able to do in free agency, but maybe a free agent or two and start stacking up these draft picks to bring in maybe the next future quarterback um, of the Vikings. So that's, yeah, that's my hope. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, what um, – I mean, the really great thing is that the Bears are in a position to have their cake and eat it too. Like we can improve as a team and, and win some football games because as long as Carolina keeps playing poorly – We've got the number one pick in the draft. We own their first round right. pick next year because of the Bryce Young trade. So we, it's okay for right. us to win games. You know, it's just the, all, the only thing it hurts is that instead of, you know, the only thing that it hurts is that our, our ability to get two blue chip players instead of just one by, you know, wherever Carolina ends up. Like, we could we even get more picks if we have the number one pick again? Because somebody's got to go up there and get Caleb Williams. Like, if the Bears keep playing lights out on offense you got to stick with justin fields you can't bank on caleb williams being you know uh, a pro being a solid pro when justin fields has finally turned the corner uh and everything you got to go all in on justin fields again you go get him marvin harrison jr hopefully you can get him that tackle out of either penn state or notre dame either one of those guys would do just fine lock him in at uh, left tackle you got marvin harrison on one side dj moore on the other then Ryan Poles can be like, we're going to take the North and not give it back. So it's like, all right, we're in a position to make that happen uh, if if it goes that way. And we've probably got two first-rounders for at least the next two seasons on top of it. So, um, yeah, it's like last year when the Bears were playing the way they were playing, it was every single week going into every single game, I want my team to win. I don't want them to lose. But if they lose, the silver lining is <laughs> – we got the number one pick in the draft, or we got a you know a top pick because we didn't have the number one pick until Lovey hooked us up with that win over over Indianapolis, which pushed the Texans behind us uh, at number two uh, and mm-hmm. everything. So you know it's like if they lose, that's the silver lining is that we're going to have this top pick that we could probably auction off for extra picks and you know that kind of thing. So it's like that's more the mentality I had last year it's like i want them to win i don't want to sit here wait all week long for them to play only to root for them to lose no see them win and if they don't eh, then we still got a top five pick there over there you know what i went so well and the thing is for the vikings too if the bears get that top pick again the bears are not trading that to vikings um (laughs) (laughs) they are not gonna let the vikings get caleb williams um so um, that's, that's why I'm like, all right, Carolina, let's, uh, let's see if you guys can win a few games here. Put Andy Dalton in if necessary. I'm still a huge Bryce Young guy. I still really like Bryce Young, but obviously it's not been an ideal start. I don't think he's given getting much of a fair shot in Carolina. Their offensive line's been questionable. The receivers around Bryce Young haven't been great. Um, I yeah, don't I think bet they're likes uh, a very good coach. Anyways. Yeah. I bet their GM wants to rethink because Ryan, according to the the rumors, Ryan Poles gave him a, a choice as far as like the the veteran player that was thrown in was there were three guys that I heard. One was DJ Moore, 
One was uh, J.C. Horn, their corner, and the other was Brian Burns. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. guessing they probably wish they'd thrown Brian Burns in on that deal as opposed to D.J. Moore because he could really use a D.J. Moore right about now. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. He could. And, yeah, Brian Burns is another prime trade candidate uh, probably at the trade deadline again for uh, Carolina because, yeah, they're – their roster kind of looks, looks kind of rough uh, right yeah. now. So we'll see what that whole Carolina situation. It, it looked promising happened. going into the season. You know, hey, we got Adam Thielen. Yeah. We, you know, we got Hayden Hurst. We got, you know, some tools. We got Miles Sanders from the Eagles and all that kind of stuff. We got him. I may have some things to work with here. And it's like, yep, no, none of that worked out, man. Unfortunately for them. Yeah. Yep. So I've got the I've got the uh, Bears. Uh, winning 27 to 21. That's what I'm going to go with. So uh, always Vikings. makes me nervous when the bears are a unanimous choice. It's like, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so. Vikings have a chance to win it late and uh, cousins can't do it or uh, <laughs> can't do it or something. I don't know. Something happens, but uh Anyways, that's going to wrap it up here for our Bears and Vikings preview on Sunday at Soldier Field. Uh, Larry, uh, please let the people know where they can find you and your content. Well, it's the Bears Talk Underground. It's the Bears podcast I've been doing since 2007, and uh, that's the season after they made the Super Bowl. So maybe the problem has been me this whole time. (laughs) But... uh, you know, I've also started doing an NFL show. It's called The Fourth Phase. It's on the same feed with the Bearstock Underground. So if you pick up the Bearstock Underground, the fourth phase is there uh, as well. That's a um, like a Tuesday, Thursday show. The reviews on Tuesday, the previews on uh, Thursdays. So cool. All right. Very cool. I might have to check that out. Um, we we started doing an NFL show and kind of ran out of time. It was just a lot to lot to keep up with it is a uh, lot it is a lot i'll tell you that for sure it is it especially so. trying to do a recap when when you know trying to watch highlights for 16 games so you can speak intelligently on those games it's it's rough it's rough yeah yeah absolutely well that's gonna wrap it up thank you larry uh we always appreciate having you on the show um and uh we'll look forward to having you on again and um i know you won't say it but uh, as always skull Ha, 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 ha.